The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, mark the calendars. Today is Monday, April 29th, and uh, history is being made here on the Three Down Greencast with myself, Joel Gasson, and John Fraser. As uh, you may have seen the news earlier today on Twitter, as uh, my co-host, John Fraser, if you can believe it or not, actually did some research for this podcast. That's right. I'm giving 110% tonight, Joel. You know, I really, with the new season coming up, I figured this would be the time that if you ever wanted to get rid of me, this would be the time to do it. So I figure I should put my best foot forward. I've got an obscure beer choice. I did some research on some numbers for our CBA discussion. So you know what, buddy? I'm just, but again, come like mid-July, back to mail it in Fraser. But for now, I want to impress the hell out of you, my friend. Well, as long as you get through through mid-July when I'm back, then I guess uh, we can we can survive. As uh, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but yeah, I'll be gone most of June, and so be on the lookout for that, I guess, as the podcast will probably get worse. Not that it's great to begin with, but... Uh... Oh, no, it'll... it'll it... <laughs> no, see, see, my plan is... My plan is, is to get some very credible... Because rider training camp, if all goes according to plan, will again be here in Saskatoon. So my plan is is to get some very credible co-hosts to put some content out, and I will do as little as possible to screw it up. That's uh, that's my kind of plan. It sounds good. Sounds sounds, that, sounds that, real good. We are still in the good books with with guys like you know obviously Derek Taylor and Jamie Nye and and, and Murray McCormick and Rob Vanstone. So. Less Lazaric up here. There's there's enough guys that I can just put a mic in front of them and go. So, writers. <laughs> it is good that you're trying a little harder though, because uh, the news broke this week that uh, former CJME reporter Ariel Zer, also known as friend of the show and your backup on this show, has uh, left to join the writer organization. So, with uh, that in mind, she will no longer be my little backup co-host. So, uh, since I'm on the lookout for a new backup, I guess at the same time, could also be on the lookout for a new coast. You never know, right? You never know what could happen. So uh... that's that's fair. I, I I don't want the I don't want the search for the backup to go that well. That you're like, you know what? Maybe we'll just make the switch. So I am gonna give 110 percent until mid July. Yeah, you're only as uh, like in football, you're only as good as your last podcast. So. F- fair enough. Fair. And enough, it's been a man. while since we've done one. And the last one was really good. If you missed it, it was with. Uh, the aforementioned Derek Taylor, as we broke kind of a loose rule that we have here, we, we generally don't have guests on the program, but we we do break our own rules every once in a while just because uh, it's worth it sometimes, and uh, Derek was certainly worth it, and we thank him again for all the time he took with us. I think we took a little more time than we were expecting to take with him, but uh, it was certainly worth it in the end. So the, the, man, the, the man does an interview smooth like butter, so you just got to keep it rolling, right? That's, uh, yeah, that's that you know, national TV experience, right? Unlike us yeah. local slobs. That's right. <laughs> so I'm intrigued. You, uh, you went outside the box and you did some research on beer. So uh, what do you got this week? This week, actually brought to me by my parents as part of an Easter gift. They made the trip out from northern Ontario and they said, well, John, we know you don't like, you know, we know you didn't want chocolate. You're on a bit of a diet. So what we did, they went to the local LCBO in my hometown of Atticoke in Ontario and said, give us some craft beer. So I have from Bo's Brewery, it's a German-style amber ale called Altbier. Mm-hmm. 
it is from, uh, where is it? Van Fleet Hill, Ontario, just outside of Ottawa. I am so impressed that you knew that. Well, Ottawa's my hometown, and Bose is pretty big around there, so... That, 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 That's how uh, I know. <laughs> here I was. Okay, pull the curtain back for a minute. I said before we recorded, I'm like, Joel, you're going to be impressed. I did research, and I have a, a, an obscure beer choice for the show. And you just, the craft beer master you are, just come and just poo all over the my, my if, dreams in, of surprising In, in support you. of you here, I don't think I've actually had that one. I just know of Bose Brewery and a number of their beers. Just I don't think I've had that one, though. It's very good. It is, uh, it's perfect for, uh, I wouldn't call it a summer beer as we are starting to get into spring summer, but it is a little cooler. Yeah, not the last couple of days. No. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't have snow like you do down in Regina, but. Oh, there's no snow here either. It basically didn't snow at all. I think it snowed like in between the two cities, basically. Nice. Perfect. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good German style beer. Um, if you can find out in Saskatchewan. Highly recommend picking it up. I know I will definitely be asking my folks to bring out uh, some more Bose products uh, during their next visit. Absolutely. They they, uh, they definitely brew some good stuff. And if you're ever in Ottawa, yeah, they're about 45 minutes east down the 417 toward Montreal. Kind of there's a little town there called Van Vleek Hill. And yep. that's, uh, that's where you can find them. There's even their sign is on the highway. So uh, you, you can't miss them. Here, uh, I am me- sca- here I am scanning the can for, for where they're from. And you just, <laughs> boom, out of... <laughs> Frick. Applauso, applauso, Joel. Applauso. Well done, buddy. Well, I mean, you picked one that's basically my hometown beer, so I mean. Fair enough. Fair enough. So for me, I have uh, I've sent you the picture of this one. I just wanted to make you incredibly jealous. Mm. It's uh, the return of the Pile of Bones Session, Ugh. now known as the Session IPA. Uh, Nathan, the head brewer, tweaked the recipe a little bit. Still delicious as ever. Just an easy, crushable beer. 4.5%. Great for... Uh, you know, recording podcasts and sitting in the sun, and as I learned over the weekend, good with ribs. And Ooh, uh, yes. Yes, father-in-law made some great ribs on Saturday, which uh, I will never say no to. Fair enough. I, I mean, from the limited experience I've had meeting your father-in-law the one night where I got really drunk at his house, yep. he seems like the kind of man <laughs> that could cook some good ribs. Oh, he cooks just about anything well, quite frankly. <laughs> I've, yet to had, I've yet to have a bad meal at Bill's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill seems like that kind of, he just like... He he has that dad aura to him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, where like he's taking care of everybody and like I, I bet you like does he own a pair of white New Balance shoes? Uh, I don't think so. No. Okay, because that 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 would put his dad cred off the charts. But yeah, <laughs> that is a man that knows his way around a grill. Yeah, and uh, now a sous vide and a um, oh, what's that thing called the the one pot thing, the Instapot, whatever that. Oh, the called. Instapot. Yeah. yeah, I saw one of those there as well. On the weekend, so huh. yeah, the inventory is growing. They were in Arizona nice. for four months, so I think he got one cheap down there. That's oh, probably nice. what happened. <laughs> we'll play, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, speaking of maybe getting something cheap, uh, but probably not. There was an interesting bit of piece of news over the last couple of days. One that I think we knew was coming eventually. It was just a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. And that's the BC Lions releasing uh, all-star middle linebacker Solomon Elamimian. Yeah. And instantly, I think everyone across the CFL got interested. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, I think Saskatchewan was one of those teams where you knew they were going to be in the mix. Number one, they're kind of always in the mix for these kind of guys, it seems, no matter who the general manager is. You know, kind of like the Leafs are in the mix for everyone, except, you know, the Riders have a chance of signing these guys. That's right. And 
So the question becomes now, and the report is out there that the Riders are one of three teams that have kind of been talking with Elamimium. Uh, uh, the other teams not in it kind of makes sense for salary cap or sort of you know, reasons why they don't kind of do this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, does this make sense? I think it does. I, and for a lot of reasons, obviously, because he's, you know, one of the best linebackers of the generation. Yes. And so that makes a lot of sense. And you can seriously upgrade where they are at middle linebacker. And I think they have a will linebacker now in Cam Judge that they can put out there. I think he's he should already have surpassed Sam Hurl on the depth chart when it comes to that. So yeah. not that not that Hurl can play well, but it's in general in terms of if we lump all linebackers into one spot. Yeah. Um, so if the price is right, and I think to me the caveat on this, the important part is if they're going to go after Solomon Alamimian, and if they actually... If he actually wants to come here and it's a deal they can reach, I think you got to lock him up for at least two or three years because, as I've written a few times on 3 Donation now, I don't really know how good this team is going to be this year. I think yes. they're going to be okay. I just don't think there's going to be room to be okay in the West this year, unfortunately. And no, so man. everything, that it kind of feels like 2012 again. Not quite. Not yeah. quite to the same extreme because 2011 isn't, wasn't, you know, you know last year wasn't, atrocious by any stretch of the imagination they're a pretty good team last year and 2013 next year isn't quite 2013 because there's going to be other gray cups at mosaic stadium so you don't need to go all in but you still want to be good when you're hosting the gray cup yeah so i think if you can get solomon alamimi locked up for at least two years preferably maybe even three then i think yeah yeah you make this move because it's it's not just he's going to be here this year and then he's gone it's we have this guy for a potential gray cup run next year no, and, and absolutely, especially with the loss of Sam McGuavin, and, and you mentioned some of the depth at, at, at the linebacking core, uh, he'd be an absolute you know, monster ad. That's the first thing I thought as soon as the Lions released him. I'm like, okay, this is a no-brainer. The Riders got to go get him. Again, we don't know what the budget looks like coming out of free agency, but you know, we kind of... You would, you, say- you would think they'd have to be in a better shape than some other teams out there because they didn't quite spend as much. Exactly. Like the, we, you and I even maybe criticize them a bit for not hitting those home runs, but all of a sudden, you know, late to the ball game and let's give, you know, new GM Jeremy O'Day some credit for both these moves. He managed to convince Dakota Shipley to give up on his NFL aspirations mm-hmm. and come up here. So all of a sudden the one spot you and I were talking about, yeah, there's not a lot of depth at the line that shored up. And I think you even mentioned that in your piece on three down as well. And, and then to get Elamimian that, you know, that was another thing you and I said. Like, the biggest loss this team might have felt, you know, is the loss of Sam McGuavin. And if you could get him, and now there's some rumors of, of maybe Jeff Knox being interested as well to come back to Canada. Like, all of a sudden, the Riders maybe missing a bit during free agent frenzy is going to pay off for them. And, and I think it's also, um, and I know we'll talk about this more at length in the coming moments here, but I think everybody can agree to some degree, there's player salaries or the cap or both are going to go up uh, whenever the CBA is settled. So, you know, the riders are in a great position, you know, now with the current cap. And I imagine they'd be in an even better position with an increased cap. So, you know what? I th- I, I think if they get Sam McGuavin, or pardon me, not Sam McGuavin, Solomon Elamimian. I mean, if they could get Sam McGuavin back, that'd be great. That would be great. <laughs> but, I mean, Solomon's a pretty good, pretty good runner-up pick there, to say the very least. So... I'd love to see the move. I think his addition, you could you could then say, okay, maybe this defense didn't take this defense will be different, mm-hmm. but I can safely say it didn't take a step back personnel wise 
if you can bring in Solomon Alamemian. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point, and they will be different. And I, I you know, we, we've talked about this before, where I, you cannot count on them to score as many points next year. The yeah. offense is going to have to be better, and that's something they're going to have to address still. But, and yeah, I think Jeremy O'Day, if this ends up coming to fruition, does deserve some credit for backing off a little bit on free agency. Free agency once it became clear he wasn't going to land any of the big fish. Yeah, you know we we can we can sit here and if they actually landed Mike Riley or Bo Levi Mitchell, we're not going to say oh they shouldn't have done that so they can get Solomon Alomini. Like no, obviously, yeah, not. absolutely, <laughs> right, right. That would be that would be absurd. But you know, I think once the picture sort of became clear a little bit, and it was like okay, we're kind of in on these guys. But if we miss out, it's it's not going to be the worst because you know BC spent a lot of money, you know Edmonton spent a lot of money. There yeah. is going to be a few cap casualties between now and the end of training camp. There are going to be guys that are going to be available that you will be able to use to upgrade your team. And I think that maybe becomes more the focus in terms of free agents after you miss out on a couple of names that you're really in on. And then it's like, okay, well, we got Mika Johnson. We're good there. We being the riders, being Jeremy O'Day speaking here. Yeah. And, you know, you go from there. And then so now Solomon Elamian's on the market. It seems like you're really only going up against a couple of bad teams from the West, uh, East to get them. Yeah. So you would think you would be the front runner there unless the money is as stupid, which, I mean, neither of them are paying for anything close to an elite quarterback right now. So maybe, yeah. maybe it is. I don't know. Um, you know, Winnipeg's not going to be in the running because they can't fit Big Hill and Saul under that cap. No. Ottawa is just being weird right now, so I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, Calgary, and I, you know, Josh Smith wrote the piece on Three Down Nation for, and it was more not where he thinks they're going to go to situations that make sense. And yeah. I agree that if there was any spot for Calgary to step out of what they normally do, this might be the one where you get aluminium for a couple of years and then hope Alex Singleton comes back. Yes, um, this is a stopgap, but Huff's not going to do that. No, and as we talked, Edmonton spent a lot of money, so they obviously don't have room for him. Yeah. Well, so well, so and then up that then you know we'll get into this in a second here. So that puts Solomon Elamimi in, in a in a bit of a tough spot where yeah. he doesn't have a whole lot of negotiating power and he's released so late in the game and that upset Adam Big Hill and which I get. You know, yeah. I think there's certainly a point to be made that the BC Lions probably could have and should have done this sooner. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm with you absolutely. They they knew what their cap situation was at the end of free agency, never mind a couple months a couple months later. And now as you're going, I mean, thankfully he still has the opportunity to to go and play for a, a good organization in the Riders. And again, this all is a testament to everything that's been built in Riderville, that players want to come and experience it. But could you imagine had the Riders been capped out mm-hmm. and you get released by BC and your options are, okay, go to a Toronto team that everybody thinks is going to be terrible or a Hamilton team that we don't really know what they're going to do and only have two teams to bargain against one, one, one another with? Like, it just... Would have been a nasty situation. At least if you would have released him, there would have been everybody would have been in on it, and mm-hmm. and who knows after free agent frenzy, and it just it kind of seems like a, a it's a dick move by the organization to do that to a guy that you knew what your budget was going to be. There's been no surprises between here and then. It's not like you had to add a dental plan or something like that. Lisa didn't need braces. Like it's for a guy that has brought you success and been one of the faces of your franchise. To, to just go ahead and do them like that, I'm with Big Hill. It's a dick move, and players are going to remember that. Mm, absolutely. And and, and the, the, the number of teams negotiating with him now shows, you know, how small the trade market was. So it should have been pretty yeah. clear to BC that they weren't really going to be able to trade him for anything close to what they would have wanted. So yeah. then you have to do, that's what you have to do. 
And people say, you know, people often wonder, you know, why aren't these guys trading more in the CFL? It's incredibly difficult to make a trade in a nine-team league. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everyone knows everyone's business and everyone knows, you know, the salary structures that everyone's in. And as we talked about, half, you know, three-quarters of the league right now doesn't have room for them anyway. So they're not even going to be interested in trying to trade for them as much as they would like to. So you're generally stuck when you're trying to make a trade in the CFL. You're talking to one, maybe two teams. Yeah, if you're lucky, and that's pretty much the gist of what you're going to get, and that's why you see trades for you know Ricky Ray for a kicker, like that's just I mean, that's just <laughs> the way it goes in the CFL because there, you just have so little leverage. This isn't the NHL trade deadline where there's like 20 teams that are trying to make a move to get in the playoffs. Yeah, it just it just doesn't happen. So you can see why, and so it it just doesn't add up to me why this wasn't made sooner. But the fact remains that, yeah, okay, Element Meme, unless he doesn't want to, is going to find a spot to play sooner rather than later. He'll yeah. be okay. He's the one of these guys that can withstand this if he was, you know, you know, a guy who had a good year or two, but isn't, you know, people aren't quite sure about him yet, then he's really screwed, probably. Yeah. And so eh, it's it's a tough situation for him, but he'll rebound, he'll be okay. And even if yeah, he takes a one year out east and then comes, you know, goes where he wants after another monster year where he has a full run at free agency. You know, yeah. maybe that's a smart move for him. Who knows? Yeah. But there is some people floating around. I know some people made some comments about the headline that Drew, Drew wrote on uh, Three Down Nation about, uh, you know, because he was, you know, a vocal CFLPA guy. And he was kind of the leader of that for the Lions. And, you know, that's why he was released. So, no, that's, that, that, that's, that's just crazy. Like that, you know, that had well, nothing that... to do with it. That's that's utter insanity because because I remember the last training camp you and I ever worked together here in Saskatoon. Um, remember, even after the deal had been tentatively agreed to, it's the last day of camp, mm-hmm. and Ricky Foley went the f off. I remember that day. I remember t- that part of the story. Oh yes. yeah, I remember that absolutely. He just yeah. went nuts, and if teams gave a damn about that, like people are implying that the BC Lions do. Ricky Foley would have been handed his walking papers that day. I've never, like, it was refreshingly honest after two weeks of, yeah, we, we're we going to play good and expectations and 110%. To see a guy show emotion was like, okay, this is awesome. There goes the fluff piece I was going to write about how awesome Saskatoon is. But it, uh, yeah, it has it has absolutely no bearing in it. I mean, that's, that's part of... It's part of CBA negotiations in any single professional sport. Yeah, so now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of uh, the CFL and CFLPA uh, CBA negotiations. Recording on Monday, uh, today the league met for about 10 hours with the players. I saw TSN's Matthew Schnetti report that it seemed everything was generally positive, whatever that means. And they're going to meet again on Tuesday. Uh, I don't expect anything to come of it. It's still too early. I remember uh, about a week ago or a couple weeks ago when the league said we're not talking until the 29th and everyone started freaking out. I'm like, guys, it's not even the same month as the expiry date yet. Like, let's, yeah. as much as people want to talk about, I saw Mike Riley and some guys say, you know, just get them in a room and hammer this out. It just doesn't work that way. No. It doesn't work I- that way in any line of business. This is not unique to football. This happens yeah. in every single walk of life. Heck, there was that, there was, well, I mean, this is completely different, but there was the co-op strike in Saskatoon that went for months. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I'll refrain my thoughts on the co-op story. Oh yeah, that's right. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's either here nor there. But but again, it, it's 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 simple negotiation. You know you're going to get your best deal when the cards are on the table. 
Mm-hmm. Now, unless one of your best pals happens to work at a car dealership and can get you a two-for-one deal on, on two cars at any given moment, um, you're generally – the best time to come in and buy a car is at month end because there's a twinge of desperation to get targets and things like that. Now, you trying to sell some plans tomorrow? Um, oh, yeah. No, there will be <laughs> there will be some cars sold tomorrow. I tell you what, Joel. I'll probably be at work till 9. That's why we can't record tomorrow because I'm going to be at work till 9 or 10. Um, but we uh, – but with this, especially with the CBA negotiation, and I think this is different because everybody's focusing on on the player strike and things like this. Now, here's here's my bold prediction backed up by some facts and research that I was doing because, you know, facts and research are my new thing. Um, <laughs> if you ask any veteran CFLer, they all think training camp is about two weeks too long anyways. Right? Yep. So I don't think – I think you could send a message to ownership by going on strike, making them feel the pressure a little bit, miss a couple weeks of training camp, nobody's going to be worse for the wear. Now, unlike other professional sports, where strikes and, and lockouts can can go on and on and on, we have to realize something here with the CFL. You currently have, let's look across the league. You have ownership situations. Three of your teams are community-owned. Okay? Mm-hmm. Got BC, which is a... Whatever. David Braley's trying to get out. And then you don't have, outside of Calgary and, and MLSE having their hands in, in the Stamps and the Argos, and who knows who's going to own the Alouettes by the time we're even done recording this podcast, you don't have the deep-pocketed owners. You don't have deep-pocketed players. You don't have deep-pocketed owners. I now, mean, Bob Young is, isn't poor by any stretch of the imagination. But Bob Young is. But, I mean, Bob, so there's one guy. And the and the the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group is backed most. The money mostly comes from this uh, large construction company in Ottawa called Minto. Yeah, they, they have money. They're fine. Oh yeah, no, they <laughs> they do have money, but we're not talking about the billionaires that own NFL teams, right? No, 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 of course not. No, we're we're not talking about. And and I was I was looking at the numbers. The numbers that are available are, of course, your community-owned teams, which won't have large war chests and absolutely need games to be played at their stadiums to make money. So, for example, running through the numbers, Winnipeg in their last annual report uh, published was just north of 30 million, Saskatchewan just south of 40, Edmonton around 25 million. Now, this includes revenue, stadium rental, everything. And we know that even in the event of a player strike, you're not going to go and, and rework, uh, you, you can't find nine concerts all those nine nights to replace stadium rent of you, nor are they going to be anywhere near as lucrative as the CFL. No. They could have had 50. an NFL game, though. <laughs> it's true. Um, and who knows? Maybe there still will be, a, be one in Winnipeg. Um, 56% of the of the Winnipeg revenue comes from gate receipts and sponsorships. Mm-hmm. That all goes away if there's, if there's an elongated strike. 60% of Edmonton's revenue comes from that. 52% of the riders' revenue comes from that, right? So you're looking at half of the revenue for these teams that still have to own and operate and pay debt on these stadiums and keep these buildings open and bring in entertainment and stuff. Like you just look at it from a numbers perspective, the ownership, I don't think like ownership's acting tough with the whole walking away from the table and everything like that. But by the numbers, there's no way that they can walk around, walk away from a CFL season from like each game is such a huge part of their revenue compared to, you know, you've got billionaires that own NHL and NFL teams. Right. So absolutely. No, that, I, I, that, that all makes sense, but the financial picture for the players is even worse, right? That's why they can afford to miss one, maybe two games. A right. lot of players can't, 
right? No. And, so well, in that and, regular season games, at least the preseason, they're not getting paid anyway, right? So exactly. And and, and I I think I think both sides know you're going to see the best offer and counter offer probably as as like teams can cancel preseason games, they can cancel. You know, the players can miss preseason games, as you mentioned. Um, I know a lot of these guys have off-season jobs. It's not like you can just say, well, I might be able to work for you for another two weeks. I don't really know. Um, most of the guys at the farm, which is, you know, most of the Saskatchewan boys. But I just, I, I think there will be more desperation from both sides as we near closer, despite the fact that that I think some fans are under the perception that ownership can just pull an NHL or pull a pull an NFL and 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 that's just from what I see it's just not there yeah I, I think that's a fair point and we'll, we'll I think the the owners the ownership is staying strong and it's easy for them to stay strong because they just got to hold basically nine guys in line right that's uh, right. we talked about that before that's a lot easier than holding some 400 players in line absolutely and so it's a lot easier for ownership to stick together and all that and it's, it's, it's really going to come down to, I think, to the start of training camp, as it normally does. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Derek Dennis, a lot of these guys are talking tough right now. And I, I firmly believe that high-profile, highly-paid guys like that won't show up at start of camp if yep. there isn't a deal. How widespread that is going to be will be the interesting part of this. Mm-hmm. And it might not matter in the end of the day, because, sure, let's say 75% of players do end up reporting to camp or something i'm just picking a number it's that yeah. top 25 percent that the casual cfl fan knows anyway so yeah. if all of a sudden you know they start hearing word of bo levi mitchell and mike riley and greg ellingson and brennan labat and you know these guys you know mika johnson and willie jefferson suddenly aren't at training camp that has more effect than you know spencer moore is in the training camp <laughs> right, right, right. right. No, offense, no, no offense to Spencer plays an important part yeah. on role of every football team he plays for, but it's not it's not quite to the same level. And so if that comes to fruition and you know, if it if it is a full walkout, then that 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 will even greater amplify everything because well here's day one of Ryder Training Camp and uh just the rookies are here because they're not a part of the union yet. Right, right. <laughs> so so that'll have an effect. So it's all, I think the the owners are they're, they're playing the same playbook they've used every single time. It'll just be interesting to see if it actually has the same level of success because this is the first time the union actually seems somewhat together and there yeah. is potential for some kind of action. I don't believe in my heart at the end of the day it's going to be full action, but there is going to be some significant players not at training camp if a deal isn't reached by the time training camp opens. See, and I would, I would, I would, res- I would disagree. I think the action will be full. I think outside of a glorified rookie camp, I, I, I think you are going to see every player. I hope the I hope CFL. the players do stand together. I really do because they they deserve to stand together and work harder and get more than what they're well, currently getting. I hope they do. If there's going to be action, I hope they're all in. I, I hope it's not half-assed. Well, well, and I and and you would assume I would assume that they are because again we've had there wasn't a player that we interviewed that we spoke to that, that, that we were around. The, the, the last training camp where the players decided to report as a show of goodwill and let's face it screw themselves at the bargaining table yeah that's the, um, that's the only leverage they have is to not show up exactly so they have they, to and, not show up and, and, they, and they they took it away from themselves and i mean it was just it i don't think there was a player that was happy 
No. And I think, and I, again, I vaguely recall after the Ricky Foley, after he went off after that interview, I thought I said it to you. I might have said it to, to another media member. I said, there will be a strike after this is over. Because the players have had five years of getting together of, you know, okay, we played this wrong. We got a bad deal. And that's been festering in locker rooms for five years. So I think you may have a minority that would still want to report, but I don't think they would because I think the majority of every room has spent the last five, six years preparing for this. I mean, there's a reason that the bargaining committee from the CFLPA isn't a bunch of former Canadian offensive linemen anymore. Finally. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's more representative of. It's not still not great, but it's full, more representative than what it was for sure. Yeah, and and I, I, I hope I'm wrong, and I I I still just have this weird feeling in the, the pit of my stomach that at some point there are going to be some guys that are kind of on the bubble, and they're going to and you know, Drew's talked about this a lot. They're going to see that paycheck at the end of the day, and you know, it's easy to vote for a strike now when you're so far out, but if you suddenly left your off season job, if you have one. And you see that paycheck on the horizon and this and that. I can see why it would be tempting. Again, I hope they hold together. And if there's go- unless a deal gets done before camp and everyone's happy, then that's great. But if it's not, which I my feeling is I don't know if it's going to get done before training yep. camp. I think the, play- the owners are going to wait out the players again. And it's going to be up to the players to decide if they want to get a good deal or not. And, and, and no, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. And I think... And I hope they're unified because, again, you, you, at the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned the co-op strike here in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact you they lost half their union membership, whether they crossed or went to get other jobs or whatever, and that took away all their bargaining power. The second guys start crossing that line, mm-hmm. your bargaining power is gone. And getting to know a couple of these guys pretty well, having some really good conversations with some of these guys. Um, I'm, I'm, I think the players deserve a better deal. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should become millionaires off of playing CFL football. But again, I don't think, I, I, I think you should be at least able to make it your full-time job. I would agree with that. A, a decently yep. paying full-time job. And you can train in the off season. You make enough money during the regular season. You have enough health benefits afterwards that, you know what, you can go play five years of CFL and then go to something else. Yep, I I think that's entirely fair. So uh, in the next couple of days as well, the players that won't be a part of the union will be entering uh, the CFL fold right away with uh, the draft around the corner, and they'll be looking at at least hopefully their first five years of their career on the horizon. Um, As I said on Twitter this week, if you have some very specific questions about the draft and what you think might happen and who the riders should take and all that, Ask John Hodge, because... Uh, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> he's he's the genius at this thing, and Justin Dunk as well. I have always been a self-professed, you know, know-nothing when it comes to the draft. For the most part, I can see kind of the big picture and what I think the writers should do in terms of who that means in terms of a specific specific player. <sighs> I couldn't tell you who that means. So no, I'm not, not going to sit you. here and fake it and pretend like I know all this about the draft, because I don't. So that's why... My piece, and you alluded to it earlier, up on three down just today on Monday. Um, you know, I did a little bit of a draft preview, and to me, the interesting part of what this draft is going to be 
is it's going to tell us a lot about the Jeremy O'Day Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's going yes. to tell us a lot about how they plan to approach the draft and basically how they, you know, their philosophy for building a football team because that's really where it starts. And we saw it under Chris Jones. They were a bit of riverboat gamblers at times. And, you know, Dakota Shepley came up and that worked out. But the other guys, not really to this yeah. point. And so it'll be interesting to see which way Jeremy O'Day goes with this. Personally, I think he's going to be a little more traditional in his approach to the draft just because he's grown up basically in football in the CFL. Yeah. And so I I see I see, you know, you know, trying to accumulate depth. I don't necessarily see drafting for need, which I also agree with. I think you just gotta take the best player available in your yeah. spot every pick, no matter where they are. And other than maybe a receiver which you could argue the Riders could probably use some help at Canadian Receiver, but if the ratio drops, then you can't really count on that. But if it does, you maybe can get away with it for now. Yeah. So I think overall, and I, you know, I wrote this on the piece, their strategy basically should just continue to take best player available. And right now they have the fewest number of picks in the draft out of every team in the league. So you know what? I wouldn't be upset if in the first round they decide, you know what? We're going to trade down and add a pick or two. Yep. In the same time, I, or if they can give up an asset that isn't a pick to get one of the two bombers picks that they seem to be throwing around a little bit out there at four and five, maybe that's an option too. Because I would like to see them add a pick or two just to up their inventory of Canadians coming into camp this year. Oh, most certainly. Let's let's face it. For the most part, I mean, the CFL draft is it's more of a crapshoot than than most drafts. I mean, you know, you have hmm. not you're not only competing with. Um, the NFL for the guys that are talented and the guys that are good enough to play, you know, CFL roles. You're not you're See again, this goes back to the CBA talk when guys could when let's face it, coming out of university and becoming a police officer because you're fit works out for just about the same amount of money as being a CFL player, you know, it's 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 hard to compete. You are competing with real life real person jobs for some of these draft picks, right? Mm-hmm. So it is such a crapshoot. I'm always a fan. Go out, get as many talented guys as you can. I like taking the long shots if they're available in the later rounds, but I think in the first top three rounds, grab guys that you know are committed to playing football, that are committed to coming to Saskatchewan, and build your depth that way. And I'm with you. I think Jeremy O'Day is very much going to do that. Um, free agency proved he's smart, he's calculated, he's calm. And again, if you want to know anything on specific players, I used to actually have some knowledge when I covered Canada West football. Um my t- I switched TV providers. I went to one game and I spent half of it in the bounce houses because that's where my kid wanted to go. So uh, I can't even really give you much insight on the Huskies this year. So, uh, yeah, but the bounce castles, Griffith Stadium, top notch. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so we're obviously not going to spend a whole lot of time on the draft here just because of you know, the general knowledge of everything. But, yeah, I, just, I think if they can – and. It's important, I think, to note going into this draft, too. We banged a lot on the Riders for their depth at Canadian. I, I think it is slowly has been improving as time yeah. has gone on. I don't, as we said, I don't know if there's, you know, really a huge pressing need coming into this draft. There isn't like, okay, yes, we talked about receiver, but they could really, they could get by without it if they had to. So there isn't, you know, one thing where you say they need this. And obviously the Dakota Shepley signing changed the game for them. because oh, 100%. He is now there, you know, between him and Darius Bladick, one of the two of them can be the sixth offensive lineman. They yeah. have the option to go for Canadian if you can shift one of them out to tackle now if you really want to. So yeah. 
their options are getting better there. They have some spots, you know, Mike Adams playing well, Cam Judge is coming into his own. You know, these things are starting to come together for them. And so I think, yeah, just work on the inventory, get the depth, try to improve what is what is an improving depth by, you know, getting those backups and those special teamers that are there now and bringing in even better guys is really what yeah. you got to do at this point because you know who your starters are. It's about building that next group up behind them. Absolutely. And one thing we know for sure that won't be happening uh, over this week is that uh, neither myself nor John Fraser will be drafted. Oh, hell no. I, you know what? I could, uh, I could try to try out a punter. Um, I have uh, you know, put the challenge out there for fake gainer to have a punt off at a game one day. But still, um, I don't think they accept guys that punt beer cans off their back deck. I mean, they have revamped the entertainment option of the stadium this year, so maybe as, like, a halftime activity it might work? I can try! I should start working out then! But then that would mean Fake Gainer would have to, like, show himself in public. Ooh. And would he do that if he had an opportunity at halftime? We'll never know! Da-da-da! And the big question is, will the roof be open or closed for it? <laughs> hey, yeah.